Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. My name is Parker Joe and I'm with Social Services. I need police and paramedics. I had a uh, female DOA. I'm your social worker and you got a daughter who needs to get to school on time. Stop crying into my family. I'm trying to keep Ashley from being taken away from you. I didn't know you were getting out today. Dahlia! <gasps> You're the man who's been looking after my family, huh? I'm back. I'd love nothing more than have to come by anymore. Prodigal son is home. Caught some chatter on the inside that might be a real score. Take care of business. We're going in there for the money and the drugs. I'm worried about Ashley. I'm also concerned for you. Cops came to see me. Tell me this isn't happening again. Do a big favor for dad today. This happened here because of you. You got the cartel after all of us. Why even help us? No one helped me when I needed it most. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 366. Releasing across the US on September 3rd, select theaters, video on demand, and digital is The Gateway, a crime thriller that stars Shay Wiggum as a social worker over his head as he protects a family from violent criminals. Evoking the spirit of classic tough guy character thrillers of the 70s, The Gateway also boasts a cast that includes Olivia Munn, Frank Grillo, and the legendary Bruce Stern. And I'm glad to say joining me now on the podcast is the director of The Gateway, Michele Chavetta. Michele, I thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Matt. And uh, thank you for that beautiful introduction. You just uh, hit the nail on the head with just about everything about the, uh, what the story is about. Well, it's really interesting, the, the genesis of this project. I mean, the screenplay was being around for a while. In fact, it was on the, the blacklist, which for people who don't know, is kind of like this place where um, unproduced screenplays from the go really kind of screenplays not made yet people really dig them um you guys made a great film out of it how did you come across this uh, um uh, screenplay which i believe was called um when age where angels die way back when it sounds like some sort of a melodramatic douglas sark film from the 50s or something <laughs> so um you know our producer um andrew levitast had actually optioned that script i guess probably about four years back and he called me and he said, I have a very good, uh, you know, inner city crime thriller film. Uh, the architecture of the story is great. And you know, the uh, world that, you know, it plays out in is, is super fascinating. However, it really needs, you know, kind of a, a bit of insight uh, in terms of the characters, the backstory and, and just kind of enriching, I guess, uh, the, the world of, of what was there. Uh, so, you know, I, I basically set out to re- rewrite a bunch of it and, uh, and just kind of fuse what was already on that the page at the beginning. Um, so, you know, it's the, the beauty of working in something that's 
genre, I guess, is that from there, I, I feel like we kind of created more of a tapestry piece and, and kind of updated it to feel more like a neo-noir. Was it always be, uh, set in St. Louis? No, it, it was originally set in Chi-Town, as they, as they call uh, Chicago from gangland kind of nomenclature. Uh, so, yeah, I, I brought it to St. Louis only because it, it felt like an apt metaphor um, in terms of uh, the title of the film that we ended up retitling and, and just what, what the city was in the story, uh, which you know, is, is a bit of a symbol of uh, a certain type of city in the U.S. that uh, has kind of fallen on hard times and w- was really the byproduct of a, a different era, you know, both socioeconomically and, and just in terms of its form and function um, in, in terms of uh, commerce and economics. The lead role of Parker is played by Shea Wiggum, and he, in my opinion, is one of the great American character actors. He's one of those actors that whatever he appears in, he always kind of elevates the material. Um, he's terrific in this role here. It's like a really rare kind of lead role for him. How did Shea come about um, joining the project? You know, we were so lucky because he was the very first actor I sent the part to, and uh uh, you know, he responded to the material, and l- like you pointed out, uh, you know, not only is he an extraordinary character actor, and I mean, he's popped up in so many things over the years that he's almost like uh, a hero with a thousand faces or something at this point. But he he really is the ultimate insider actor's actor, and so he he lent an incredible validity and uh, and strength to what the film was. You know, after after he signed on, it definitely became a conversation point that other actors were you know, excited to engage, at least know more about the project. And, um, you know, I'm super grateful for the level of intensity and, and just authenticity he brings. And, and really, he set the tone for everybody else who, who kind of jumped in, you know, from Olivia Munn to Frank Grillo. And obviously, Durham is, you know, uh, a legend and a myth unto himself. So it just calibrated the tonality and, and the, you know, the level of, of seriousness that we wanted to bring to this thing. Well, it's interesting because I was listening to an interview with Olivia uh, Munn and she talked about how Shay often encouraged the cast to, you know, they got to leave blood on the floor, what was her quote, and I, and, and <laughs> like you know, pushed themselves, really kind of pushed themselves. I'm sure with a, with a productions like this, in the independent production, I'm sure there's limited time, little fun. So have a, an actor lead the way in that kind of way would have been a, a godsend for a filmmaker such as yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, without a doubt. And uh, I mean, he inspired me, uh, you know, I, I tend to work to an uh, aggressive level of uh, OCD when I, when I commit to something, but, you know, to have somebody who, who's, you know, a, a pacemaker like Shay, who's just not willing to walk away from any setup until it's committed to its highest level. Um, and, you know, as you pointed out, it's not easy on smaller films because you don't have the luxury of the time. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I think that, that kind of level of, of, enthusiasm becomes you know uh infectious collectively both for the crew for other actors and you know like like i uh he, olivia had mentioned i mean he he and i would say goodnight most evenings uh, when we finished and we were just you know uh, couldn't even see anymore we were cockeyed with tired and <laughs> just knowing we had to go back and you know we'd scream at each other blood on the floor which you know literally was our way of saying that you know we, we brought this as far as we could today and at least we, we were willing to bleed for what we were doing the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. 
celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Vudu. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Vudu Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. I mentioned in my introduction the uh, how it kind of reminds me of those kind of gritty kind of 70s kind of character pieces. Um, and I think uh, the big reason why is because the character of Parker, he's a guy who really wants to make a difference, but he's a flawed person as well, really very much a flawed antihero. It kind of reminds me of the Frank Serpico's, the the um, Harry Callahan's, the Popeye Doyle's, <laughs> kind of like those characters. Was that what you guys were going for with his character? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the new American cinema in the '70s, and you know, a lot of the Bob Raphaelson stuff and Cassavetes, and you know, that ambiguity for me is where characters become really fascinating. They become more more like real life people in the sense that, you know, their motivations and logic is not always as simple as we'd like to, it to believe. You know, mm. so I, I think you know, in, in crafting Parker, you know, for for all of us and what he meant in terms of the ensemble, like, you know, we came up with this moniker early on, which was, he can't take care of himself, but he takes care of others. Right. Um, And that's, you know, that's dramatic conflict. And that's kind of really what those, those films in the seventies was able to achieve. Like you'd get to see the not so pretty details about someone's life and then evaluate who they were in terms of the decisions they make in the story based upon all this stuff. It's not wrapped in a bow for you to uh, digest nice and easily at the end of the picture. And um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of, I think where, where, where we try to uh, achieve like, you know, character uh, uh, development in this film. Speaking of the seventies, a legend from that era, Bruce Stern in your film, Really terrific work here. Some really great monologues. The um, the chemistry that he had with Shay as well was some really great uh, scenes that they have together. What was it like having a legendary figure like that on your set? I mean, it, it was a, a dream come true. You know, I, I I'm, I'm I love his work in the '70s probably as much as any actor uh, in film history. I, I just think he's he's so unique and unpredictable in the, in the nuances and Tony brings to his performances. Uh, you know, there's a, a humanity, a levity, um, you know, just like a perversity simultaneously. And, and he really represents a certain kind of Americana for me. Um, and, you know, it, it was crazy because in writing his role, um, because basically I wrote almost all the dialogue for him, uh, it was one of the few instances where I actually could hear him saying the lines on paper when I was writing them. And so, <laughs> basically have him, you know, basically uh, studying that stuff and and then interpreting it and, and not being afraid to go off, 
page with it either. I mean, he just brings such a dynamism, you know, like, uh, um, from the get go, he, he basically made me promise him one thing that we went over rehearse it, that he was allowed to come, uh, on the first take and, and basically show who he was and what he wanted to portray in, in that one specific, you know, um, dialogue beat, um, because, it it creates the opportunity for it to be real, you know, that it's not something that's pre-rehearsed. It's, it's unexpected. And that's what great acting is. And it was a gift that uh, I was so lucky to get to watch and, and help navigate with him. The gateway also kind of showcases another part of your filmmaking, which is that of an action uh, filmmaker. There's a great scene or sequence in this film, kind of like a high sequence, almost a one shot take has such a visceral yeah. kind of, kind of effect how do you approach a material like that? Do you like the storyboard? Do you, do you? I mean, you don't have time to rehearse. So how do you get that kind of stuff happening? Because it just comes up so well. Oh, th- thank you so much. Uh, you know, with with that one, it was an example of absolutely storyboarding. Um, and I work with floorboards sometimes, which are like kind of like overhead godlike view uh, images of like you know a room. And so, you know, I, we basically tracked my cinematographer, uh, Brian Newman, myself, the, the pathway of each character, where they were going in, in the labyrinth of rooms and where the camera was and what was going to occur. So we, we had the opportunity to pre-block it specifically because there was a lot of ballistics and, uh, you know, kind of like gunfire and stuff. So we had to, had to know what we were doing. So it, the, the intention was to make it, you know, feel very visceral, but it was very choreographed. You know, ultimately, unlike the last uh, gunfight, which was a little bit more raw and in your face, ultimately. Well, it's a terrific scene, and look, congratulations on oh, the film. Thank you. And for everyone out there listening, September third in select theaters across the US, also video on demand in digital. The Gateway. I really highly recommend people want to see something with great character, great thrills, and great heart. I really recommend people check out The Gateway. And McKelly, I thank you very much for your time today, and congratulations with the movie. Oh, thank you, Matt. I, I really appreciate all the, uh, the amazing questions and the conversation. Uh, keep on uh, keeping on with all the great work also. You too. Thank you, McKinley.